You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Live Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. I know this is sin. It's wrong. It's the title of this devotion. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 6, we see how we are baptized with Christ into His death and come into a newness of life with Him. Or the death He died, He died once for us all, it says in Romans 6 verse 10. And then in Romans chapter 8, we see how to live in that newness of life. But Romans chapter 7 is an important chapter where because of our new birth, we come to know inwardly this is sin, this is wrong. But yet we struggle with our natural nature in that I know it's wrong, but I do it. And I know that's right, but I don't do it who will help me to be able to live this life? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. But I wanna start with you today in Psalm 40, please. Psalm 40, because you see, according to the inward man, he says in Romans chapter seven, I love the law of God. According to my natural nature, there's another law within me, the law of sin and it fights with me and causes me to fail. And even though I know by the law of God what is wrong and what's right, I keep failing. Who will help me? Jesus, Jesus. You see, without Jesus, it's impossible to live holy and right in God's sight. It is only through His indwelling life, enabling and empowering us to live as He lives, that we can live free from the power of sin. But the first and important thing that happens when we become born again is that we receive a new heart, a new spirit, in which the Holy Spirit writes the law of God in our heart and in our mind, so that from within we begin to long to do what is right and begin to shun what is wrong and to say, Jesus, help me, help me. I want to do what's right. I don't want to do what's wrong. And you see, here comes the relationship. It's just, it's not just a one-time fix. Hey, I got saved 50 years ago and now I live right all the time. No, it's daily. I'm enabled and empowered by the love of my Savior to not live to please myself, but to live to please Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. But according to the inward man, I know that's wrong. That's right. Okay. And so David, in this incredible, anointed, messianic Psalm 40, he says in verse 6 of Psalm 40, uh, hold on a moment. I thought I had it open here. I don't. There it is. Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you, Lord, did not desire. But my ear you have opened. Bird offering and sin offering you did not require. 
And then I said, behold, I have come. And in the scroll of the book, it's written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Oh, how I love this thinking. The book of Hebrews in chapter 10 quotes this from David's song. And it begins to show us how Jesus fulfilled the law and was fully pleasing to God. And that He now comes to dwell in us as a living Word in our hearts and in our minds to enable us and empower us from within to want to do what is holy and right and well-pleasing to God. I'll read you that part here in Hebrews chapter 8, okay? And I want you to see this because it is an important part of the Christian life that we are born of a new nature. We're born again. We're made alive with Christ's life in us. And in that life is the love and the, for the law of God. It's the love for doing the will of the Father. And that love compels you that you go, no, I can't go that way anymore. I, I, I just, it used to be so entertaining and pleasing, but now it grieves me to think to go that way because you see His love compels you. The love of Christ compels you to please God. That is such an incredible grace and blessing that comes by being born again, by being made alive inwardly, where you, as the scripture will teach you, was able to judge your own heart and able to go, those thoughts aren't right, that way of speaking, or that way of saying it, or that action, or looking at that. Oh, you see, you inwardly get a consciousness of right and wrong and you by the Holy Spirit begin to want to be enabled to do what's right and enabled to not do what's wrong. And that is the covenant, that is one of the major fundamental covenant anointings or blessings that come along with having Jesus as your savior. And here in Hebrews chapter eight, starting at verse 10, it says, now this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Wow, how phenomenal to think that you come into such a place of favor with God that you know nothing against yourself, that you have perfect peace with Him through Jesus Christ, and that you're compelled by His Spirit every day to live right in His sight, and that this makes you feel so happy. It makes you feel happy. People say, why are you happy? Because I feel right with God. I feel peace with God. I feel His love in my heart, His love in my mind. I, 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 every day I just am so happy to do what pleases Him. Well, how do you know what pleases Him? Because His living Word is in me and He makes me conscious of it and He makes me aware of it. And He shows me, no, don't say it that way. That, that's not my nature, not my character. Say it this way. And you go, oh, yes, Lord. You see, 
in Psalm 1, King David starts this incredible Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, and he says in this Psalm, blessed is the man, happy, fortunate, to be envied is what that means, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly are people that don't have the mind of God in their reasoning. They don't have the heart of God in their purposing. So when they think of something you should do, they don't come at it from God's perspective. They come at it from a humanistic perspective, which may not in itself always be wrong, but if it's not the will of God, it's not for you. You see, I mean, there's many people who have given, tried to give me advice in years, in, in the years, but within me, I kept feeling, no, wait on the Lord, seek the Lord. And I waited on the Lord and the Lord opened this word to me and showed me his counsel. And therefore he says to you, happy, fortunate to be envied is the one who does not walk or allow his steps to be ordered by the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners stands in the way that people that don't do what's right in God's sight stand. There's a lot of people who stand there. They stand in a way that sinners live. That's where they stand. That's where they've stopped and they haven't regressed from it. They haven't pulled away from it. They're still there. And I tell you, I'm, I'm, I, I want to encourage you if you ever get caught up in the counsel of the ungodly and then you stand in the path of sinners, run while you still can. Run while you can. Run back to the Lord. See, you see a progression. You're being advised by the ungodly, which makes you stand in the path of sinners. And then eventually you sit down in the seat of the scornful. Who is the scornful? The one who's bitter in his heart, angry at the price he would have to pay to do what's right in God's sight. And he scorns people that do what's right. Yeah, there they go to church, you know, and they read the Bible and they pray, but I know things about them. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. See, they're scorning, their nature is scornful. And why do they scorn? Because they themselves aren't in the right place. Anybody who walks in the love of God wouldn't think that way and talk that way. You see, you don't become judgmental of others when you yourself know how much you've been loved and forgiven. Then you intercede for them. You have faith for them. You have hope for them. And the reason we don't end up in the counsel of the ungodly and stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful is because our delight is in the law of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and in His law, we meditate, we, we think, we, we consciously thinking, now, Father, I know this is your will. Now, Father, I know this is your will. And I love to do your will because your law is in my heart, Psalm 40 verse 7. Father, I love to do your will because your law is in my heart. Father, I want your will. No, Lord, I, I, it's hard because it's pulling on me and, and, and my affections, but no, no, I will do your will, not my will. You see, and that can be a battle without question, but the reward for those who do the will of the Lord will be far greater than the reward of those who seek to please themselves instead of the Lord. So that we walk in His counsel and stand in His way and sit in His seat of mercy and grace is because we delight ourselves in His law and it makes us like a tree that bears its fruit 
in season and its leaf does not wither. In other words, our life keeps flourishing by the increase that comes from that relationship with God. Let me take you for a moment to Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, if I may. It's a really incredible chapter. I love all the chapter 5s. Chapter 5 of Matthew, chapter 5 of Mark, chapter 5 of John. Oh my goodness, chapter 5 of Mark, you read about the woman with the blood issue and Bartimaeus and his daughter and all these incredible stories. I love all the chapter 5s. You know, the chapter 5 of Ephesians talks about being merciful in this loving kindness of your Father who, that Jesus demonstrates and being a light and all, all the chapter 5s. I love them. So listen to this. I mean, this whole chapter is phenomenal. Chapter 5 of, of Matthew. But I want to take you here to verse 21. Jesus says here, Now you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit murder. So that's one of the Ten Commandments. God puts it into your heart, right? The commandments. He puts those commandments into your heart. What's the nature of it? That's the point I want to make next. Of having this law of God written in your heart. Yes, Psalm 40, Hebrews chapter 10. I love to do your will, Lord, because your law is in my heart. Okay? What's the nature when it comes to thou shalt not commit murder? When that law is living in your heart, not to kill, right? Not to commit murder. I want you to see the nature of it that Jesus shows us here, right? He says, it was said of old, you should not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, and he begins to show you the nature of that law in your heart. Whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, you fool, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Raka also is the word that means empty. You empty-headed, right? You, you're absolutely no good, worthless. Degrade somebody. You say, how could you be that way? You're such a nobody, nothing. That whole nature of the degradation is against the law. See, so if that law is written in your heart, you cannot hold anger against somebody. You cannot hold resentment against somebody maybe who could have done it better or just carrying that in your heart against people, always thinking somebody's failing, always seeing the failure in people, never appreciating, never admiring, never esteeming others above yourself. You see, that is not having that law in your heart. When that law is in your heart, written there by the Holy Spirit, the nature is that you can't hold anger. You can't look down on others. You can't just dis disregard others and think they're nothing and just cut them off like they're worthless. Right? Another one. Okay, one more. And it starts here in verse, um, verse 27. You've heard that it was said, says Jesus, of old, you shall not commit adultery. So that's another one of the Ten Commandments. And then he shows you that when that law by the Holy Spirit is written in your heart and mind, what is the nature of it? 
Okay? How do you express having that law within you? I say to you, <clears throat> whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, when that law is in your heart, instead of you looking at a woman just for your own pleasure and entertainment and only look at her for an object of lust, it shows the lack of that law in your heart. But when that law begins to manifest itself in your heart by the Holy Spirit and in your mind, you can't look at women that way anymore. And I know that that may sound fantastic for some of you that think, oh, come on, Pastor, let's be realistic now. You know, let's be realistic. And I understand, especially in the culture in which we live today, in which people dress maybe in the way that they do sometimes, that you, you can allow your mind or your eyes to be kept, uh, captured by these things. And I understand that. I, I myself am just as human as you are. However, I've come to experience the power of having God's law in my heart and delighting myself in it and being so happy at the nature of that law, do not commit adultery, that I can't, I can't, I can't. It, it, inside of me by that law, I feel the shunning, I feel the pulling away, I, I feel the withdrawing from allowing myself to be drawn out like that. And, and that grace grows stronger and stronger and stronger and it keeps you. And yes, the devil will tempt you like the Bible says. There's no temptation that's not common to man, but with the temptation, it says, the Lord will provide a way of escape so you're able to bear it. In other words, He will provide graces, words, spirit, anointing, something, a cleansing by the Holy Spirit with the blood of Jesus so that you, that thing breaks and it can't keep pulling on you and pulling on you and you walk in authority over it and dominion over it. I mean, that's very real, folks. And if we don't hear these things, then we don't know that they're available to us. But I want to tell you, you don't have to live your life angry, resentful. You don't have to live your life with all the scars as, as a victim. And I understand the pains and evils that we've suffered can sometimes leave a wound that <clears throat> takes time to heal. But I know that no matter how deep that wound if you come to Jesus with it, He will cause healing to flow out of it while it's being healed instead of resentment and, and poison, instead of bitterness. Bitterness is the mixture of pain and anger, which creates bitterness. But when you take your pain like Jesus and offer it to the Father, oh, pain, my goodness, can be so all-consuming. And if you offer that pain to God like Jesus did, he mixes it with His love, and that causes healing to flow. Pain and love causes healing to flow. Oh, how God wants healing to come into your home, into your relationships, and into your lives. And I want to encourage you. Let the Holy Spirit so ride the law in your heart that you can feel inwardly, no, that's sin, that's wrong. No, 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 I'm not going that direction. I'm not going that direction. No, I can't go there. I can't anymore. I can't just justify my offenses with another by accusing them. You see, 
One of the greater sins than the sin that you are having to endure is if you justify your offense by accusing. You need to take that offense to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need my heart cleansed. I, I've gotten snared here. You see, the word offense also introduces the word scandalon, which means snare, offense. And it's Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. He was crucified for our offenses, it says in Romans 4, I think, yeah, and raised for our justification. And when you have these offenses and you take them to the Lord Jesus and offer them and begin to pray for the one from whom you've suffered, then healing will flow because he will mix the pain with his love, which causes healing to come. So what does the Lord really want from you and me when we consider the conflict between good and evil, between inwardly knowing this is wrong, this is right, by the law of God written in our heart? What does He really want from us? It says it right here in Micah chapter 6, and I love this verse, and many of you know it. Verse 8 says in Micah 6, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? God longs for that reaction in your my life when we're in the conflicts of right and wrong, either in our own lives or that with others. He wants you to do what's right, no matter what they did to you. I read a scripture once in the book of Acts where it says, in his suffering, justice was denied him. And every one of us, in becoming more and more like Jesus by his indwelling spirit, go through the school of injustice in one way or another. And in the school of injustice, our hearts are on trial, not the injustice. What the other person did is not on trial. Our heart is on trial. How do we react to it? How do we react? I remember one dear brother, a pastor actually, and his wife had left him for another man. And he was in pain. And the Holy Spirit showed me that she was not on trial, but he was. God was looking at his heart. God was looking, how do you bear the sins of others in reflection of how I have borne the sins of all men? You see this? And no matter what others do, when you're in the school of injustice, and you suffer the pain of betrayal, of hurt, of rejection, of injustice, which can be unbearable. How do you react? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. You hear me? When you are in the school of injustice, God so wants you to gain the diploma of the divine nature of our Savior, and that you take the pain and offer it to Him by His Holy Spirit, and it's mixed with His love, and not only healing to your heart, 
but healing through your heart begins to flow. Do justly. Love mercy. Love loving kindness. Love forgiving. Love being merciful. Love being gracious. Remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. In so doing, you will heap hot coals upon his head. And he's using metaphorically from the Old Testament how the incense representing the prayers of the cries of God's people, hot coals were put on the incense and it caused the incense to come alive and create a fragrance and a cloud of a sweet smelling aroma. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2, love, even as Jesus showed his love for the Father in that he suffered for us, his love was like a sweet fragrance to God. Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2. Imitate your Father, it says there. And you see, this is what God's looking for, that you do from your end what's right, no matter what somebody else does. And number two, that you love mercy, you love loving kindness, same word. And you walk humbly with God, you commit it to God, you say, Father, I trust you. Father, I commit myself to you. Father, I know you are in control of my life. You watch over me. You guard me and guide me and instruct me. I trust you, Father. I love to do your will for your laws in my heart. And you see the nature, the nature of the law written in your heart and mind by how you carry yourself in every situation of this life. Amen. Have a good day.